Welcome to the River Life Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you will encounter Jesus and allow His words to wash you anew. May He reveal more of who He is to your heart. Here's the message for this week. Good morning, everybody. Do you remember this? Yes. So that, that's my phone. Yeah. After 20, 20 days of prayer and fasting, I feel that many of my burdens have been lifted. I also feel a bit lighter. I've forgotten what lunch feels like. So tomorrow, I'm going to remind myself what lunch looks like. The 21-day call is to align our heart with God's heart. And across the church, there's now a growing hunger for God and what matters to Him. A growing desire for God to fulfill what He desires in our life. Thanksgiving time, uh, there's more they will share uh, in two Sundays. 21 Days has brought many good things to our church and to us. Hearts have grown with God's burden cleansed and purified by the Holy Spirit and more aligned to His purposes. God's presence has awakened parts of our life. They were either asleep or some parts they were even quite dead already. And He awakened us spiritually. This season has brought the whole church together from the children to the youth, to us adults, to our Filipino and to our Chinese. And some of you are fasting for the first time in your life. And some of you have continued fasting the entire season up to today. Some of you are now reading scriptures regularly. You are now hearing God's voice regularly. Young and old, as young as children to as old as 90 years old, have been coming nightly to our worship and prayer nights. And that's been so encouraging to us. And some of you have been coming every night for 20 nights. And your neighbour must be wondering, have you moved house already? And we have seen healings in our church in the past 20 days. And we have even seen one salvation in the 21 nights as well. And there's more to come. And the question we're asking this morning is, what happens on day 22? I hope you're, not, I hope you're wrong. It's not just buffets. Because we have to regulate and moderate ourselves. So we've been praying, revive us, Lord. And the thing is, we cannot manipulate God's hand. But God is looking for a people among whom He can dwell. He is looking. And when we cry out to Him and repent of the ways we've been ignoring Him, and we take a posture of putting Him first in our lives, we see that God moves. God chooses when, how, and where He will move. Yet, we can prepare for Him to move. So 21 days has been all about that. We have been preparing and He's been moving. Personal renewal begins in hidden places, driven by solitary prayer and self-examination. Communion with the Father, fasting, 
so that we can stop consuming and start calling on His name. And also uprooting of sinful patterns and confessions with trusted shepherds. The habits of our heart, our mind, our life gradually forms us as a people directed towards God and reshaped as agents of revival in the world. So God's presence draws our heart to reconnect with the original purpose of spreading His presence to the ends of the earth. So renewed people connect people to the Father's presence. Churches that are revived become bases of renewal and revival, spreading presence-filled disciples all over the world. So God's presence is both the destination and also the road. And our posture is not that 21 days is over, let's move on to something different. Because God's presence is the destination and it is the road as well. And so now that the 21 days officially is over by tonight, the first thing is enjoy a break next week and spend some time with your family and loved ones on National Day. Many of us have not been home for 20 nights and tonight 21 nights. So the first thing is take a break next week. Number two we will resume our worship and prayer on Wednesdays, starting 16th of August. Now, tomorrow, to end of the year, there are exactly 21 weeks, or 21 Wednesdays. And what we can do, is we can still fast on Wednesdays. And we can fast on Wednesdays, and then come and join for worship and prayer on Wednesday nights. So we've been fasting 21 days non-stop. And we can fast 21 Wednesdays weekly to end of the year. And that's my encouragement to all of you. But we start, not this coming Wednesday, but on the 16th of August. And thirdly, I want to encourage you to enjoy God daily. As you have been hearing His voice, to get alone with God, to read Scripture, and to hear Him speaking to us and call upon His name. And we have a two-year Bible reading plan as well as a three-year Bible reading plan on the link shown on the screen. And as a church, we want to be more filled with His presence, taking His presence into our lives, into the web of relationships in which we move, the places we visit, and the moments in time we inhabit. So the new norm is to pursue new norms in our personal walk with God. It's to pursue new norms as a gathered church, as a spiritual community, because we need new holy norms that started in the past 21 days to remake us and reshape us into Christ-likeness and agents of renewal in this world. So we'll share more with you uh, as well as next Sunday. So that is what I wanted to share with you today first to kind of like wrap this up and tonight is going to be our final worship and prayer night. I was going to drink some water before I move to the sermon but the water 
is on the way. I want to drink water just to change. Thanks very much. They know it's a change. So I'm going to move to a sermon right now. And I want to start by saying that um, my wife and I, um, in the past, we made three, maybe four trips to Johannesburg, South Africa for missions. Uh, we had two teams in South Africa. The first team, they went in, started a church. Second team, reinforcement team. So they were there a total of 10 years. So in those 10 years, we made about four trips to Johannesburg. And there was one trip I remember distinctly that we were having a, a worship. And towards the end, a member came up to ask for prayer. She was really, really sick. And, and then her, her whole gut was burning. And a, apparently, she had drunk the cleaner that used, used to clean drains. And, and when we asked her further, apparently, she believes in Christianity. And she also believes in animism. Animism has things like black magic and all those kind of stuff. And so, so she comes to church and she goes to see a, a traditional kind of a doctor. I, I, it could be a rich doctor. And so she was having stomach problems. And this particular um, animistic doctor prescribed medication for her, which turned out to be drain cleaner. So it burned her gut and her stomach as well. And so in Africa... Uh, something common is what we call syncretism. And syncretism is when you combine different religions together. And so a very common example is in South Korea, the Unification Church under Reverend Sun Yang Moon, where he combines Christianity with Buddhism and Confucianism. So that's syncretism. So in different places, they combine different religions together and they make it one. So life is filled with decisions. And the decisions we make affect our life and even our gut. It affects our life now and our life to come. And we can make compromises with our spiritual life and go with the flow. Or we can make a stand and stand with Jesus. Today, I'm going to talk to you about spiritual compromise. Spiritual compromise is not rejecting Jesus. It is including other gods and deities and other passions along with our worship of Jesus. Compromise is not rejecting Jesus. Compromise is loving Jesus and also loving our favorite sin. Um, we have some slides for the, for the people. It isn't choosing other gods. It's loving Jesus and adding somebody else. It's loving Jesus and loving our favorite sin. And Tony Evans said, compromise is the cancer of the church. We must rid Christ's body of this cancer. We can't be one way on Sunday and another way on Monday. So the problem with many people, we don't take a stand. We don't keep to standards. We just shift. Whatever society says, we just flow along and compromise. 
And how do we compromise? We start on the small things. We adjust the truth a little bit in conversations to make ourselves or to make the situation look a lot better than it really is. It begins with we get emotionally close to that person in the office that's not our spouse. Of course, nothing happened. But deep down, we know something is happening in our heart already. The first step of compromise is always the hardest. And then, it gets easier. Welcome back to our series, Revive Us, Lord. And our series focuses on Revelation chapters 1 to 3. The major theme of Revelation is Jesus is coming back. He is coming back to bring reward and retribution. And he told John to write in the first three chapters about what's going to happen now and chapters 4 to 22, what's going to happen in the future. And so the Apostle John on Patmos was writing the book of Revelations. And we've done chapter 1. Now we're on chapters 2 and 3, which are written to the seven churches in the first century on Asia Minor, which today is Turkey. These letters, Revelation 2 and 3, are practical letters, practical instructions on how to be overcomers when the pressure rises for us to compromise. And practically, how do we overcome compromise? Jesus says there's only one person qualified to prepare the church, and it's me, it's him. So he writes seven letters. He says, trust me. You have what it takes to face the unique situations in every generation where I'm preparing my church on a global level for the pressure that's coming. So these chapters 2 and 3 are written in a chiastic structure, in an arrowhead structure, as Chunsi explained last Sunday. And, and we learn from these two chapters that believers face difficulties and pressures unique in every church and in every generation. So the question is, how do these letters speak to us today in 21st century Singapore? Last Sunday, we heard about two churches that lost its love and became lukewarm. And this week, we look at Revelations chapter 2, verses 12 to chapter 3, verse 6. This is the longest text in the whole series. So if the service ends a bit later, it's because the text is very long. Even though the preacher is so short-winded. And Revelations chapter 2, verses 12 to chapter 3, verse 6, is the center or the heart of the message to the seven churches. We covered two churches last week. We'll do two next week. we do three today. And this involves three churches. And we see how they compromise their beliefs and their lifestyle. The title of today's sermon is The Compromising Church that summarizes these three churches. And we're going to read 24 verses together. 
And I'm going to invite you to stand together with me. I'm going to read the first verse, and then you will read the next verse, we'll alternate. So I'll start. To the angel of the church in Pergamum, write, These are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. My turn. Next slide. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold on to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to eat to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and committing sexual immorality. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. To the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, by her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely until they repent of their ways. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold on to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. Just as I have received authority from my Father, I will also give him the morning star. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who hold the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive. But you are dead. Verse 
Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what time I will come to you. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. Heavenly Father, we thank you because every scripture is inspired by you and is profitable for teaching, rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness that every man and woman of God can be thoroughly equipped to do every good thing. Today, we sit under the authority of your word and because we realize that one word from heaven can change our lives. And we come Sunday after Sunday because we want to meet the risen Christ and hear what he will say to us today. So Father, we pray, Lord, today remove all distractions Cause us to hear collectively what the Word is speaking to our church and specifically what it's saying to our hearts individually at the same time. Transform our church and transform our lives, O God. Don't let us go until we are transformed to be like your Son, Jesus. And Heavenly Father, uphold thy servant as he uplifts thy word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. The Compromising Church, Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 to chapter 3, verse 6. Not all churches are the same. Last Sunday, we heard about two churches. Next Sunday, two other churches. Today, three churches. Every church has its own set of issues, from addiction to division, from uninvolvement to unforgiveness. And not much has changed from the first century to the 21st century. For us in River Life, in 21st century, Pay attention. Hear the word of the Lord. Open your heart to the word of the Lord. Pay attention to the unhealthy practices in river life and in our hearts. And as Jesus commands to correct those patterns or face his judgment, everyone here today needs to do spiritual housekeeping. When we look closely here, there are three different messages to the churches here, which we will now examine one by one. Number one, the first message is a covenant warning, which characterizes the messages to the churches in Pergamum and in Sardis. And these two messages are like an indictment, a formal accusation, a formal charge to Pergamum and Sardis for different forms of compromise to the covenant King Jesus. So let's first look at the message to the church at Pergamum. The church in Pergamum is enduring. Pergamum was the site of the temple to Zeus in ancient Greece. Near Greece, that site. And that's where it is believed that Lucifer dwelt there uh, on, on planet Earth at that time. And today, this, this museum is in East Berlin. 
So they refused to deny Christ under pressure in Pergamum. But they allowed idolatry and immorality to remain in this church. The doctrine of Balaam, which is in verse 14 of chapter 2, it is to compromise what we know is biblical truth for what is comfortable and what is convenient. So for the church in Pergamum, it began with eating food sacrificed to idols. It is like a ritual feast in a temple. It's like we're doing communion with Jesus and, and then so these, these pagan temples are, are doing like, like their own communion and we join them. And so we started with, with, with eating food in ritual feasts and then it gradually slipped into spiritual idolatry. That's what happened um, to this, the teaching of Balaam. So it is food to idols and then spiritual idolatry. How about the Nicolaitans? Now, for those of us who are fasting, this sounds like Neapolitan ice cream, but it's not. This is Nicolaitan. Because um, after fasting for some time, you, you, you start, uh, the words get confused. As we learned last week about the church in Ephesus, the Nicolaitans were followers of Nicholas, who taught that if you're a Christian, you can do whatever you want with no consequences. You can sin as much as you want. It means you have license to sin. So the, te the teaching of Nicolaitans is licentiousness. You can sin whatever you want and no consequences. So when you combine the teaching of Balaam and the Nicolaitans together, you get this hybrid teaching, which today in 21st century is, is called syncretism and permissiveness. So in other words, we can compromise our behavior and our lifestyle to do whatever a decaying world is doing. We also can do it and yet go to church and look religious and look respectable. So it's, it's this syncretism, we combine religions and we combine lifestyles and we per permissive. For, for example, I go to cell group regularly, yet I hold a grudge consistently against my cell leader. For example, I go to church every Sunday and every Saturday, I have sex with my boyfriend. Or, I go to massage parlors, ask for paid sex or in Geelang. So we have this, this syncretism and permissiveness. It's fine. So syncretism and permissiveness now look at the message to the church in Sardis. Sardis looked like a big church, a successful church, a church that's alive. And, and the Bible says in verse 2, it was starting new ventures, but it did not follow through. And almost all in this church were sleeping spiritually. Not alive, but sleeping, except for a very small remnant. And this dead church was asked to kindle and revive any small flame of faith left in this church among the remnant. And it's always the remnant that awakes the rest. 
this was once a great church. And if you go to verse 1, there is a reference to the sevenfold spirit of God. And that, Bible scholars tell us, is that this church, uh, it, sorry, the seventh spirit of God refers to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, this church is open to the work of the Holy Spirit. And so, first of all, today, churches that are emphasize the gifts of the Spirit. And in line with the theme of compromise, some of these churches are biblical. They move in the Spirit. Some are in doctrinal error. And the two biggest errors are the, the health and wealth gospel among the charismatic and Pentecostals, and the only, I only listen to God kind of uh, heresy. No spiritual authority, I only listen to God. So, Revel Life, be careful about Bible teaching. Do not be careless. Do not be negligent. Be very watchful. And now, I want to share a red flag with you in Singapore. Something called Christian universalism that's happening here. And so this is a popular syncretistic teaching that all faiths lead to God. And this is believed even by some Christians or who profess Christianity. It's like, if I'm in Pasiris, I want to go to Woodlands, I can take any train. If, I, if I'm in Changi Airport, I want to go to Berlin, I can take any flight. I'll land in Berlin. So that kind of syncretistic teaching called Christian universalism, it's arrived in our shores. And a local sermon which I viewed, this is what the pastor said, Scripture has been manipulated. Hell is only temporary. The real hell is here and now, when there's no access to clean water in human trafficking. Hell is here and now, the pastor says. And he says salvation is also here and now. So the idea of this church here is that everyone gets saved eventually. Universalism is not what the Bible teaches. Hell and salvation are everlasting. Christ plainly stated in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You go to the Father through me. In John chapter 10, verse 7, I am the door. River life, Christian doctrine divides. It is exclusive and it is uncompromising. It is important for us to be aware of syncretism and permissiveness. In James chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of God, uh, I'm sorry, a friend of the world, becomes an enemy of God. That's James chapter 4, verse 4. So I want to charge us in River Life, stand firm on biblical truth without compromise. The gospel is an offensive message to a world that is lost and decaying. And, but the thing is, as Christians, we don't want to offend culture. Tomorrow when we go to office, sometimes we even, should I even pray for my lunch? 
in the front of my colleagues. We don't want to offend the culture. And sometimes we even want to apologize for Christian doctrine. We feel so bad. Because you know why? Because we all want, we have an intrinsic need to be accepted. No one wants to be rejected. But I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Only have affections for Jesus. Never run into the arms of another lover. Be loyal to your covenant bridegroom. Be faithful to your covenant king. The covenant warning here is do not compromise on truth. Do not even flirt with syncretism or permissiveness. And that is the message to the church at Pergamum and to Sardis. I'm going to move on to the second message, number two. The second message is the most awful one. It's on coming judgment. And this one, we need to kind of like put on our seatbelts and our crash helmets. And this is the, the, to the one in Thyatira. And this message has moved beyond warning to an announcement of imminent judgment. So the arrow tip, Thyatira is the tip of the arrow. This is the one that, that's really in a bad shape. They were given time to correct the heresy by Jezebel. And Jezebel also refuses to repent. So first of all, Jesus affirms this church for their love, for their faith, and patience and their progress or their perseverance. That's in verse 19. Like Pergamum, unfortunately, this church is also guilty of idolatry. The teaching of Balaam and immorality, Nicolaitans, because they listen to a self-appointed prophetess, the Bible says, and they were guilty of not just listening to her, but not disciplining her. And so what happens is, in a cell group, or in a church where there's tolerance, inclusivity, it leads to heresy. So tolerance and then heresy. So the first step of compromise is always the hardest. After that, it becomes much easier. So Jesus warns them that he will come and he will deal with them. Sometimes this means that he's going to come in the second coming with rewards for the faithful ones and retribution for the compromising ones. Sometimes he means that. But oftentimes, and in this case, he means that he's going to come an earlier visitation of the Lord to remove the lampstand from this particular church. And so Jesus has a ministry of closing churches down. Because a church that's compromising and refuses to repent is a terrible, terrible witness of the gospel. And when he removes the lampstand, he removes his presence, there could still be a group of people there gathering. But there's no more lampstand there. And they don't have his presence anymore. 
And that is such a tragic, tragic situation for any group of people. The presence of God is no more there. Listen to this scripture in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And the prophet is seeing this bunch of people who are ever hearing, but never understanding. They are ever seeing, but they are never perceiving. And their heart is is hardened. It's not responsive anymore. It's just prideful and arrogant. And their ears are dull. And their eyes are closed. Because their affection is somewhere else. Their favourite sin perhaps. And this is what I'm praying for, for myself and for us that, that we can see with our eyes. That we can hear with our ears. And understand with our hearts. And then turn from our sin. Repent and be healed. And that's my prayer for me and for River Life Church. For every one of us. For the corners of our lives. There's secret sin, hidden sin, and compromise for many months, for many years already. But I want to say this point, that in the midst of this picture of judgment, Jesus holds out hope, comfort, and the promise of eternal rewards to the people in Theatira who are still faithful. The majority have got off the cliff, but the minority are still faithful. And Jesus promises them eternal rewards because they endure till the end. And he gives the rest time to repent. And if they refuse, he will come in swift judgment. This is no longer warning. This is impending judgment. It's coming judgment. So judgment is approaching and they're going to experience the tribulation of Christ whose feet are of bronze. He will trample on his enemies. And that is the crushing blow for, for those who refuse to repent from compromise. So judgment is approaching. You see, Jesus is this shepherd, the shepherds with a rod of iron for the wavered people and a rod, rod of comfort beside still waters for the faithful sheep, like in Psalms 23. And Jesus is watching his church with eyes like blazing fire. And, and it's this look that should stop us in our tracks and cause us to read scripture and to listen to God's voice and do the work of repentance, which is turning away from sin and self and following Jesus. Many of you, most of you know that before I joined River Life, I worked four years in the area of sexuality. And I worked with individuals, with couples, with families who were struggling through issues of sexuality. And every single person, whether they were straight or same-sex attracted, desired to walk in holiness. And I would tell the people I was working with who were same-sex attracted, I would tell them that how I talk to you 
is to walk in holiness. And that's how I talk to a single who is straight, who is tempted sexually. And I tell them to walk in holiness because that's what the Bible teaches us. And so every single, every couple that I met struggle, but desire to walk in holiness. And you know what? They desire to walk on the foundation of the teaching of Christ. And it was glorious years. I was privileged to hear their story and to journey with them in their way from brokenness to wholeness. And this is what they're building their life on. And this is what we are building our life on, on solid foundation, not on the shifting sand of culture, that both the Old Testament and the New Testament teach us that God's desire is for humans to have healthy, natural families with one father who's male and a mother who's female. There are only two sexes, male or female. That sex is beautiful. Sex is powerful. And sex is so powerful, it's only safe within a specific relationship called a marriage, which is defined by a man and a woman for the entire life. One man, one woman, one entire life. And that's the foundation we're building our lives on. Problem is, pop culture promotes hookup culture, hookup sex. Activists bully society, push that there are 98 false gender identities and they are good and they are normal when it is neither. And they push to redefine marriage. So here's the red flag. The red flag is that some churches are beginning to align to the culture because it is cool to be inclusive. The church I just mentioned earlier on wrote an email to a friend this year in June. And this is what the pastor wrote. As a church that affirms gay relationships and supports them to have long-term relationships and families. End of quote. Scripture does not teach this. So you see, universalism has arrived and also churches that are capitulating to culture, aligning to culture's values. And we are supposed to defend the natural family. And we are never to succumb to pressure to what's popular and what God considers evil and depraved. We as a church, we are not perfect. But God has come and made us holy because of what Jesus did on the cross. So the church is holy because God has made us holy. And holy means separate from sin and set apart to God's purposes. Separate from sin and set apart for God's purposes. That's what holy means. So the church is holy because God made us holy. And the church is a people called by His name. And His name is holy. And that's why we have no business compromising to sin and unholiness. 
in my first point, we have no business compromising truth. And in this point, we have no business compromising holiness. Like for example, couples who are not married traveling together. Like for example, couples stay overnight on the other person's place and they're not married. We have no business compromising holiness. This is not a sermon against homosexuality. This is a sermon on holiness. Whether we are same-sex attracted in this church, the cause for holiness. Whether we are straight and we are single, the cause for holiness. Whether we are married, husband and wife, the cause for fidelity, faithfulness. We are called to be holy. We are not perfect. Far from it. God has made us holy because of what Christ did on the cross. So we are called to separate from sin and set apart for God's purposes. We are not there yet. We have no business hanging around with darkness, evil, corruption and decay. We are a people called by His name and His name is holy. We are a people of God's presence and the Holy Spirit is Holy Spirit. The red flag, not just for for this church that I just mentioned to you, is for us. That we are aligning. Aligning to culture. We don't take a stand. We shift constantly depending on where the wind blows, where the culture blows. And that's the coming judgment for for Thyatira. And the the third message is conquering temptations. The closing remark of all these three letters, in fact all seven letters, means that Jesus expects a reply. He who has an ear, he says in every of the letters, hear this and then remember and repent. Remember what you were once like. You were full on fire and repent. Turn away. So Jesus expects a reply in the form of a positive response of obedience. He has the right to expect this. He is the Lord. He is our covenant king. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. So take seriously what is tempting you and I. And purpose in your heart not to compromise. John is telling the church in his day and churches today that the way forward is not seeking convenience. It's not seeking comfort. It is seeking the kingdom of God. In other words, it's seeking God first in everything because he is our covenant king. This is not easy sometimes involves suffering. And in this suffering, we are united with our suffering saviour and transformed into his image by denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following Jesus. And this means that we are prepared to accept the consequences of not compromising, which will not be pleasant in the office, 
in the university, wherever you go, it's not going to be pretty. And the Lord wants us to overcome. He wants us to prepare for the pressure, not just right now, for the pressure that's coming. Because chapters 1 and 3 are, is about now. There's pressure already. But 4 to 22 is about future. Satan's tactic against the church, which is more effective than persecution, is corruption and compromise. A pastor called Pilgrim Benham said, he quoted an official in India. Now, India, as you know, has been persecuting Christians for quite a few years now. But one particular official in India said, don't persecute the Christians or they'll become strong and spread. Instead, this official said, wherever you find Christians grouped together, build drinking halls nightclubs and gambling dens and they would destroy themselves. So that's why many have fallen for Balaam's error and the Nicolaitan heresy. And if that's not enough, syncretism and permissiveness, there's false prophets that cause many to float between truth and error. And this compromise will eventually lead to apostasy. Apostasy is prophesied in Matthew where in the last days, many will fall away from Jesus and deny him. So you see, idolatry, immorality, and false prophecy cause us to compromise truth and error, truth and heresy. And this compromise will bring us to apostasy, which is the falling away from the faith in the last days. In the last days, we'll fall away and then the man of sin will arise. This Revelation 13 will arise and he will deny Christ and proclaim himself as God. God Almighty on earth. And that's going to happen. So listen to this scripture in Luke chapter 2, verses 34 to 36. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation. That means overindulgence with pleasure, or hedonism, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day, that day will close in on you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that's about to happen and that you, you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. So what the scripture is saying is if we compromise now, we will surrender then. If we compromise today, we will surrender to the man of sin, to the Antichrist, to the beast. If we compromise in easier times, we will surrender to the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, 666. You know that story. But if you refuse to compromise today, it becomes much easier to resist in the future. Faithful in little 
faithful in much. Faithful in little, faithful in much. And Jesus, again and again, in these addresses, promised us victory and a special invitation to His presence forever if we endure the hard times today and in the future. He also promises to those who compromise, they will face His righteous judgment. And what He's saying is essentially stand for righteousness despite the pressure. Stand for righteousness, stand for what is right, despite the pressure. Jesus wants to lift us up. And he holds the promise of eternal rewards for those who repent of the compromise he identifies. Above all, beyond repenting, he wants us to ready ourselves for the coming pressure. Jesus desires to revive us that to see us fall into divine judgment. So we can be revived. Jesus wants to give us a revival. When we decide to put Him first, to turn away from sin, organize our life around Scripture, and in tune with the Holy Spirit, we will see a revival personally and also collectively. So this hour is God's intended time for God's people to press in for total victory in every area of our lives. To be victorious in every aspect of our lives and truly live. Now, compromise is like, with sin, is like jumping onto a canoe without paddles. So we're in this canoe without paddles. At first, we'll feel, wow, we're fine. And the stream is gentle and the sun is warm. No paddles. Eventually, the stream leads us to more turbulent waters. And because we have no paddles, the water carries you into deeper and rougher waters. And the winds of culture will blow. And you'll be caught up in the current with the waves of idolatry and the waves of immorality, wondering, how did I get here? This deep, deep trouble that I am in. And the Bible tells us, be overcomers. Do not be compromisers. Go on this canoe with the two paddles. The paddle that holds on to truth and never compromise biblical boundaries. And the other paddle is holiness. Never compromise with sin. And that's a church that's truly alive. You see, sin comes gradually. We throw away the truth. We throw away holiness. We allow Satan to have a stronghold in our life. See, judgment, in case you're wondering, is not never corporate on river life. Judgment is always individual. Whether it's rewards or punishment. So today, look at your heart. Are you a Pergamum-type Christian? a Thyatira-type Christian or a Sadist-type Christian? Are you already headed down the slippery slope of spiritual temptation? When Christ called you to follow Him, He didn't say just with your lips. It's with your hearts, your minds, your emotions and your body. You are not called to follow 
Christ with half your heart and culture with the other half of your heart. The worship team can come to the stage. Overcomers do not compromise doctrinally and morally. Take heed of what God is saying. As, as we prepare to respond to the Lord, today, there are people I want to pray for in the church here. Would you please close your eyes and bow your heads? I'm going to pray for you as the worship team uh, plays music in the background. I'm going to ask you to please close your eyes and bow your heads. Uh, can there be minimal movement in this place, please? And respect this time of prayer and response. The first group I want to pray for are those of you here who are part-time lovers of Jesus. You are Christians. You, you think you're Christian, but you're a part-time lover of Jesus. Some of you are compromising in the area of having a non-Christian boyfriend, a non-Christian girlfriend. Some of you are compromising in the area of drunkenness. And the word for you today is no more compromise. No more compromise. Whether it's in all your relationships, God, is, God wants all of you. He's calling for full allegiance. Not part-time lovers. Not half-hearted lovers. And true repentance requires three things. Number one, a contrite heart. A broken heart because of sin. Number two, a confession of sin. Number three, a change in your life because God will give you the grace to change. A contrite heart, a confession, and a change in conduct and behavior and life. So God is calling you to come before Him to deal with your favorite sin today. So wherever you are, as all eyes are closed, all heads are bowed, whether your, your, your area of favorite sin is in media, in watching things that are unwholesome, corrupting your life, whether it's in the area of relationships or indulgence in alcohol and cigarettes, today, as all eyes are hit, are closed, heads are bowed, that's me, Lord. Just lift up your hands. Just hands up wherever you are. Yeah, thank you. Just hands up and down. Hands up and down. Anyone else? Thank you. Hands up and down. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Just hands up and down. Okay. Secondly, the people here, the second group I want to pray for are people here who are burdened to stand for righteousness. You have a deep conviction, the Lord stirring in you, that you want to pray and stand for righteousness because soon, the world will turn up the pressure and many will fall. So you are praying for us as a church. You're praying that we become overcomers and not compromisers. That River Life will choose revival and not retribution. God is impressing you to pray for our church. Pray for yourself and pray for other churches. They will not let compromise come into the church in these last days. If this is you, you say, that's me, Lord. Just lift up your hands. Say, that's me. And just hands up and down. Anyone else? Just up and down. Anyone else? 
Put your hand up and down. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thirdly, are those of you here that you arrive today, you do not know Jesus? You may have gone to church before. You may even have rosaries. You may even have a Bible, but you do not personally know Jesus. You are not sure if Jesus comes today or tomorrow, whether or not He will accept you. Because all of us have sinned and we fall short the standard of God. But God loves each one of us. He's calling you. He's calling you. He wants to forgive your sins and call you into His family. So the, call, the third group is that God is calling you to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Turn away from your sins and to follow after Jesus. So today, as all eyes are closed, all it's about, this is you, you say, that's me. Just lift up your hand and put your hand down. Thank you. Thank you there on the third row. Anyone else? Just lift up your hand, put your hand down, hand up and down. Anyone else? Okay, church, would you stand together with me? Today is a very important day and I want to give another opportunity for you to respond. Another opportunity. So I'm going to invite, I'm going to invite all those earlier on that you raised your hands to come to the front and I'm going to pray for you. Alright, the first group are those of you here, the Lord's calling out on compromise. That's the first group. The second group are those who are standing for righteousness. And the third group are those who are following Jesus. So on the count of three, I'm going to invite all to come forward. And those of you, for some reason, you did not raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to come forward as well. So ready? One, two, and three. Please walk to the front and come to the front right now. All of you who responded just now, wherever you are, wherever you are, wherever, from the back, from the front, just, just come and stand in the front. And, and we, we're going to commit all of you to the Lord. God's calling you. Whatever area in your life, whatever area in your life, today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. He's calling your voice. He's calling your name. There's some more of you here. There's some more of you. Not just those who raise their hands, but those who did not raise your hands just now, but the first group, there's areas of compromise. Number two, you're going to pray for us to stand in righteousness. There's some more of you. We're just going to hang on for a while longer. And also, those of you here, you're saying, I want to follow Jesus. Come to the front as well. We're going to pray with you. Father, I pray for every single person in the front here. Father, I pray, Lord, you see their hearts. You see their hearts. Father, I pray for those whose hearts are broken because of compromise, because of wavering between two opinions, mixing the teaching of Scripture with teachings outside. They've caused us to waver for so long. Father, I pray, Lord, for these broken hearts who are repenting before you. Father, I pray, Lord, 
would you bring forgiveness to these hearts? Lord, bring healing and restoration to these hearts, Lord. Every single heart that's broken, every single heart that's compromised, I pray. Father, I pray for those who are struggling with addictions, struggling with unwholesome, ungodly relationships, and struggling with the, in their thought life, in their media intake. And Father, I pray for a breakthrough. Revive us, we pray, Lord. Revive us, we pray, Lord. And I pray for the second group of people here in the front, Lord. Those who are contending and interceding for your church. Interceding for the generations. That we will not compromise now. Because we will surrender then. We pray, Lord, because culture is going to turn up the pressure. And we pray for our, our intercessors. We pray for those who are interceding and those who are standing in the gap. We pray, Lord, those who are watchmen. And Lord, would you strengthen their hand and cause them, Lord, to intercede. Lord, in the church, among the generations, in the cell groups, in the households, that we will not compromise doctrinally or morally, but we will overcome, Lord. Lord, you teach us to overcome, Lord, in these last days. And Lord, that, that the first time we, we compromise is the hardest step. And it becomes easier after that. Father, teach us not to take that first step, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for these intercessors. I pray for these intercessors. And thirdly, I pray for, for those people here, Father, that the hand that was raised just now, Lord, to follow after Jesus, that lady just now. And I pray, Lord, that would you reveal yourself to her and, Lord, cause her, Lord, to experience you and walk in newness of life, that she turn away from sin and follow after Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the River Life Podcast. We hope that you've encountered Jesus through the Word. If you'd like to connect with community or find out more about River Life Church, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or head on over to riverlife.org.sg. God bless and have a great week ahead.